Pink Grandeur in YYFM. You're listening to YYFM. Hi, I'm Lynn Hughes Williams, and this is episode one of podcast dealing with osteoporosis. Today, I have with me Dr. Indipal Singh, and he's going to tell us a little bit more about osteoporosis and what the risk factors are. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. No, Singh. Well, thank you, Lit, for having me. I hope uh, your views have found the introduction on osteoporosis helpful. Yes. And uh, I'm sure there has been a few more queries and questions coming to you all the time. <laughs> yes, but uh, I think defining osteoporosis is it can be done in a very easy way if you understand the bone mineral densities. So bone itself, if I look at this, is quite thick and hard. And it has got a very good structure in built in that. So it's a very high quality, dense bone. But when we develop this condition known as osteoporosis, our bone become very thin. And as a result of that, they're not that thickness quality and the structure is impaired. And as a result of that, if we have any trauma or sometime even a minimal impact, they can break easily. And once they start breaking, and that's where we need to just clinically say this is likely osteoporosis. But based on the age, we have to further evaluate that person that do they definitely qualify for this term or a condition, osteoporosis. Does everyone experience osteoporosis? Well, not everybody. I think that's a myth that we, we all can have it, but many people could have it. And the best way to describe it is many people or some pe individuals are at a more risk of having osteoporosis as compared to others. Okay, and, and what are those risks? Is it between men and women or health conditions? Um, again, it can affect both men and women because mostly a myth is it only affects women. And myth is also in fact only older women. So that's not correct. Mm. So it can affect men and women. And we have seen individuals who are at a very young age. Sometimes the younger patient, which we see in a clinic, is the age 30, 34. But again, depends upon the risk and the personal individual habits. So it does affect women more as compared to men. So if I have to simplify, if anybody above the age of 50, what is the lifetime risk of having a fragility fracture or an osteoporotic fracture is one in two. Okay. So that means if we have two women above the age of 50 in front of me and I'm talking to them, one has a lifetime risk of having a fracture after the age of 50. But similarly, if I have got men, the chances is one in five. So I have to have five men after their 50, but one will break a bone in their lifetime. Interesting. And do we know why there's that difference? Well, there are several unknown factors. There are definitely factors in the environment, the factor in the genetic makeup, and possibilities of gender has always been there, and sometimes it's related to the menopause, and which is related in a way that after the age of 50, and that's the age which is expected for menopause, and the risk of osteoporosis is deemed or seen as higher in those women after the menopause. Yes. So there are clearly some relations and, and associations with the hormones, and that's estrogen hormone. And 
but men also show the similar risk of having a fracture but few years later so maybe 10 to 15 years later so there are several other factors which can which can come in okay i mean i am a woman of a certain age and yes i'm not ashamed to say that i have experienced menopause and so i, I guess i'm at risk um and i'm sorry to say answer is yes to that but at the same time it's good to know that you are at a risk but that doesn't mean definitely you're going to get one okay but we also have to think about our individual personal choices what we have what are the other medical conditions what we have and it also depends upon our our capabilities of doing different exercises what we have done in the past right. so there's so many factors and there are several unknown factors as well and so so again i often say that it's an individual assessment for the person who is at a higher risk or a less risk so is it is national clinical lead what are your views on how this should going forward um there are the different ways about that one thing is is awareness and that's one reason why i really enjoy talking to you all the time is that how we could raise this awareness among the general population that the bones are so important for us and i i do recall what we discussed earlier in the introduction session that our parents often tell us go out and play your bones are growing play in sunlight so i just need to highlight that the bones are such an important structure in the body they grow during initial times but they grow very high rate but once we have reached a certain age like 20s to 40 years of age there's still the ongoing process of healing and repair is going on and they become very stable in the bone mineral densities or bone mass and then after the certain age about 50 years plus they start to reduce that mass so hence we should be taking more precautions with with you know looking after bones as well and one of the way to look after bone is a healthy eating right. having an appropriate calcium in the diet getting exposure to the sunlight and other part which definitely help the bone is the weight bearing exercises so would we stand on the bones on our feet and legs and we put that weight it does improve the strength but again we have to do that that for regular basis not one off so the only other thing to mention about what what we could do differently and and it's again a population approach is knowing the risks what make you at a higher risk of having osteoporosis so what are those uh, risk factors dr singh um sometime having diabetes itself is a risk but having higher quantity of alcohol as been recommended that's a higher risk so anybody who is consuming more than 14 units of alcohol i know it's too little in a week and that does increase the risk of having osteoporosis smoking has very clearly associated with osteoporosis but there are other conditions in the body like various hormones can affect so somebody having an overactive thyroid or a parathyroid these are the glands in your neck somebody having a problem with otherwise adrenal glands and again that could be another risk having different bowel problems like somebody have celiac disease because their absorption is been impaired or they have inflammatory bowel disease which means they's like ulcerative colitis or crohn's disease those people are at a higher risk so different rheumatological conditions particularly rheumatoid arthritis pose a higher risk of having osteoporosis 
And then we have seen some drugs are also associated. And the most common drug which is associated is with osteoporosis is steroids. So the, the tablet which we often take for several medical conditions. And again, those risk has to be mitigated somehow. And if we know those risk factors and we, you know, can we minimize those risk? Can we modify those risk factors? And sometimes to be better personal choices. Could we restrict alcohol intake to under 14 units as recommended? Could we stop smoking and start indulging ourselves in regular exercises? Yeah, so it's adopting the change in lifestyle really, isn't it? That's the key. If I were to sustain a fracture now, how would it impact my life, do you think? It's very different. It's different for different individuals. Every person gets affected in a different way. It depends where the fracture is. For if I take my example, and if I do have to sustain later in my life at the fracture of my, my wrist and I have to come to work, I'll find it very embarrassing because I can't wear my turban. So although I had a wrist fracture, I can do use my left hand. I can manage everything, but I won't be able to tie my turban. So it will affect my life for those six weeks. But if somebody else had a fracture of the, of the spine, they are in pain, and they might not be able to go to work. They couldn't sleep very well. And and that impact on that individual affecting the quality of sleep is not measurable. So two individuals, me having a restructure, not able to tie a turban, but having that individual having a fracture of the spine, not able to sleep, we cannot compare this. But that impact on an individual has to be measured. Measure on an individual basis and how we can actually see we can avoid that impact on the next person. But that's very difficult to measure sometimes. And I often describe this as a immeasurable impact of a fracture on an individual. It's not the cost to the NHS. Often people think what you're doing is to prevent the cost to the NHS. Yes, there is cost to NHS, but more importantly, it's a quality of life question. Individual may not be able to walk if they had a simple fracture of the spine. And but what if they had a hip fracture after that? It had a huge impact on the on the walking abilities, leaving house, and sometimes they require a hospital bed. And sometimes they're not able to go back to their original place of residence. They require a care home. Yes. And I'm sorry to say, sometimes people do die. So it affects individuals very differently depending upon their background, like how they're living, what type of fracture this is, and which part of the body has, has sustained that fracture as a result of osteoporosis. And perhaps sometime the burden of other medical conditions. And I have not mentioned age in this. It's not only the age. And people often think everything is related to the age. Not necessarily. No. So you mentioned about age a little earlier. And tell us a little bit more about the aging population or the difference that age range makes or um, is there any impact? It, it, uh, it all depends upon the underlying medical condition, what I was referring to, and, and other abilities. So somebody's really fit doing exercises like cycling and doing hiking and obviously sustain a fracture. The chances of them healing is much higher as compared to a younger individual who hasn't done much exercises and perhaps having more units of alcohol as recommended, or having been smoking, or have got few medical conditions, or being on some medication sometime. So 
it's oh, not right. You mentioned yes. steroids, little early. steroids. So, so it's not it's not only one factor what I'm trying to to raise, but that's a myth which I want to. So that's a myth which I want to refer that it's only the age which actually is associated with the with the fragility fractures or osteoporosis. Although you've said that it isn't just about age, you know, we have to acknowledge you. We do have an aging population in Wales, but that does mean that numbers are increasing. What are your views on that? Um, yes, very, very true. And I think this is where we need to bring about the, the proportionate people who get osteoporosis. So I think if I go a little back, the population of age, as we speak today, based on the census in 2021, is 3.2 million. That's a guesstimate figure. Now, if you look at the proportion of the individual who has grown in that is 1% or 1.2% in Wales. So population growth is less around 1%. But if I consider a particular segment of population, let's pick up above 65 years of age. Now, we have grown over 18% in that population group. So when we say aging population, we have to be also considering which segment of the population is fastest growing? So if we go for any age above that, 75 plus or 85 plus, that's a segment that is growing very rapidly. So when we see more individual in that particular segment of age group, and hence we see more of a problem with the fracture in those individuals. But it's not that, but if we have an equal proportion of people in 50, to 60 or 60 to 70 then we should measure it but we are measuring a problem in older individual above the age of 50 and that population segment has grown hugely in the last 20 to 30 years so having said that we also have to think that those individual are also having more long-term conditions and now there's a high chance, there's a risk of falls as well. So when all these things are joined together, hence you see more fracture in older people. But having said that, it's good that we know all this. So it's our duty now, and this is what as a National Clinical Lead, we are working on, how to actually target those individuals who have a higher need to reduce that inappropriate variability in a different areas in ways we are living in. So hence, we should be actually putting more of our resources to the population which is at a higher risk of coming to the hospital. But at the same time, they're also at a higher risk of vulnerability. So that vulnerability has to be to be managed as well. And how would you propose doing that? I think that's, that's a very, very difficult question because we have got different conditions. And though my interest in bone health but my colleague might have an interest in stroke or cancer or diabetes. We all are actually just doing a good job. But what we have to do is we have to see where the need is, not the wishes. So based on the science, based on the, the number of people who get affected with these conditions, we probably need to revise our resources. But I always mention one thing. It's not only the resources. It's also that recruitment, the manpower. And once we have the manpower, how to train them, how to support them, 
mentor them, entertain them in those roles. So it's it's very complex way to manage such long term conditions. Yeah, so just, yeah, so I see where you're coming from. It's a combination of risk factors, isn't yes. it, that could cause falls in the older population, isn't it? Yes, and we have to have a very multidimensional approach to manage those conditions or, or those risks in older people. And again, it's about awareness, isn't it? It's and more about awareness and education. This is one kids. of the purposes that you're you're doing this, so we talk about it. Yes. And yes. Be more aware. We've heard the approach that you're taking on lawyers, mm -hmm. but how do I assess my own individual risk of osteoporosis? That's an excellent question. And if you manage to do that today, you'll be right. But it's very complex. Yes. It all depends whether you as an individual had a previous fracture or you do not have any fracture. Which means if you do not have any fractures as well, which is good, you'll be talking of primary prevention. But in case you have sustained a fragility fracture, we'll be talking of secondary prevention. Okay, so far so good. I've not had any fractures. That's good. We'll be talking of primary prevention in your case. Okay, and that's something we'll be discussing in another episode. And I'm more than happy to do that with you. Yes, great. Oh, well, thank you ever so much for your time and look forward to meeting you again for the next episode. Okay, my pleasure. Thank you thank for having you. me. Diol Camrando i YYFM am fwy o gynnwys fel hyn i ddilyniad lein ac i ar y ni wybod beth hoffech chi gwywed nesaf ewch i it's yyfm.com Thanks for listening to YYFM For more content like this to follow us online and to tell us what you want to hear more of visit it'syyfm.com <laughs>